hot, right? Oh my god, it's so hot outside. I'm like sweating. <laughs> I know. I think it's been like 80s and 90s the past week. I feel like there's a whole heat wave here in New York City. Thank you so much for being with us today in a hot 5 p.m. <laughs> New York City time. So when I was telling my friends the other day, right? Oh, I'm gonna go on live with Doctor. Her account is Hey Siri MD. My phone kept like go- going up, going up, and I'm like. Hey, what's going on? I didn't call Siri. I was like, oh, hey, Siri. Oh, like, that's why. That's what's going on. So you could, I know. If you could first please introduce yourself to everybody. Sure. So my name is Dr. Siri Chamardi. I am an emergency medical physician in New York City. I am ultra trained. And yeah, what's up, New York? <laughs> what's up, New York? Like they always say, right? New York or nowhere. Yeah, it's definitely if you can make it here. Anywhere. anywhere but you're not originally from new york right no i grew up in like southern california and then georgia and then to new york so kind of like all over you literally went like from west down to south all the way to the east i know i know what about you where are you originally from i've been east oh, coast ever since new york or nowhere that, that that's <laughs> where it's true yeah. so if you can tell us about the long journey that it took to, to get there sure so for people who are pre-meds it's it's a long journey in high school i felt like pretty honestly pretty average and then i felt like everyone was really smart because they were going to like ivy league schools and whatnot and i went to my I went to UCLA, so it's uh, in-state. Ruins. Uh, exactly. And then getting into medical school was like a really, really tough thing, you know? I got into an MD school, Medical College of Georgia, and so I went to Georgia. I think the hardest part about this whole journey is actually like making medical school once you're in medical school then the rest is like kind of like set for you that's the hardest part is like getting it getting that far it's honestly like I think the struggles that you face are mainly because there's a lot of peer pressure in terms of like having to do certain things like oh you didn't do biology yet like you're a third year you're like you need to do biology or take a gap year or whatever you know what I mean like it's been a long journey I guess and it's hard to like knowing what you want to do. And like, mm. even like, once you do it, then you're like, still not sure what you want to do, you know? So yeah, that's, yeah. that's the long and short of it. It's hard because everyone's journey is different. And everyone comes from a different spot. Like some people come from like generational wealth where they're like, Oh, I don't have to get good grades or Oh, I have to get good grades. But yeah. I don't get me in or my mom. Yeah. Can and some people like come from like no medical background. Mm-hmm you come from no medical background then your journey is much much tougher so for you was there a medical background no i can the doctor so i'm the one and i'm a first generation immigrant so Mm -hmm. i literally like my parents had no idea what exactly if go to like school here they're like what are these what are these ap classes i'm like mom (laughs) let me do my thing explain we have to do these to get from one place to another you know or like they didn't know a lot of things when I was going to school so my brother seven years younger than me when he was going to school they knew all the things that I had gone I mean for the better for the worst I mean I guess it was more lax because they didn't know I had things and then in the sense not more lax because I didn't have any like guidance as to like like choosing but like I think like an important thing to know is like it doesn't matter where you're educated it doesn't matter where you go to school mm-hmm. you always end up where you need to be mm-hmm. 
Yeah. Like, so where did the inspiration come from them? If none of your parents were a physician, what told you that, oh, I want to become a doctor one day? So I was like thinking about different things I wanted to do. And I actually went to this like CIA meeting when I was in college because I was like, maybe I can buy. I think I think <laughs> like there's different things. And mm-hmm. so I like just kind of was like exploring different fields. Well, my dad's like an engineer. So mm-hmm. like I knew what that meant. And that wasn't my thing. Like I wasn't so excited when I saw that the circuit worked. I was like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it doesn't like turn me on like that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> For me, I always thought like medicine was like a way to do like everything else. You definitely make an impact on people's lives where it's most vulnerable. It's really like stable career. Most of the times you keep your job. And also like you really get to like change people's lives. And I think that's like the thing is like our generation is obsessed with that. Like with startups, with changing people's lives, like making new innovations happen. Yeah. Great place for it. And you can branch out from medicine. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. They were like, oh, I actually want to do like business. You could do like medical industry yeah. or yeah. like, oh, say I like actually want to do law. Like there's a lot of ethics yeah. Like, yeah. well. And like, it's it's like a good way to branch out. So I was like, mm, I'm just going to be like doing something broad until I figure out yeah. what I want to do. And even now, I'm not sure still 100% what I want to do because I'm yeah. still early on in my career. You know, yeah. education has been something that's been exciting to me so yeah i mean even in school for a while (laughs) but honestly we complain about school so much i know it's it after you're like we're my friends i just miss sleeping in the back like like, it's not about the actual like material it's more about like oh okay like you know what do you like achieve with what you have you know yeah but like you said earlier, the whole path is long and it's like, you know, it's arduous, it's stressful, but really it's the whole process of getting into medical school, right? But I feel like pre-med culture and undergrad is like so toxic, right? In the sense that it can get toxic in the sense that you're basically competing for those limited spots in medical school. So the rest of the students, right? Oh, what grade did you get in bio? Oh, you didn't take bio yet? Oh, do you have research? I have research, you know, stuff like that. If there is a pre-med student right now who's like in the crux of growing up in this journey, whether for me it's like, oh, it's too hard, it's too long, or the process itself is hard. As someone who has gone through it and it's like, you're already there, what is one piece of advice that you would give them? So it's long and hard, but it's worth it. Okay, so I'm just going to preface this by I was not a great pre <laughs> Like... <laughs> <laughs> like everyone was like trying to sit at the front of class and I'm like you know (laughs) I'm sitting at the back (laughs) like most of my friends yeah exactly like or like I didn't go to class half the time and or I like scheduled class like two days a week and I'm like yeah like I have other things going on like my friend is turning 21 tomorrow like I don't want to yeah no but honestly okay so here's the breakdown it's kind of like fish in the water and like you're like oh this one flaps like better than the other one so but what's going to distinguish you when you when it actually comes to your applications is your personal statement and your Mm -hmm. journey like you know if you're like the cookie cutter like applicant that Mm -hmm. might you if you have like the highest scores back in my day the MCAT Mm -hmm. score out of 45 but like scores a person that they're not going to make a I mean, doctor. Mm-hmm. I think like one of the things that you can improve being a pre med student that's actually going to benefit you in life 
is taking like English classes, like just writing classes, they will benefit you far more than yeah. your, like your OCHEM classes are great, you know? Yeah, physics. But steric hindrances. I like <laughs> that term. Like I'm like, that's what I used to know about. Or like, uh, you know, some sequence. Do you steric hindrance in the emergency room? <laughs> so actually it's fascinating because you there are certain applications of mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. biology or organic yeah. which actually yeah. directly into patient care right yeah. so if you get someone with cyanide toxicity you need mm-hmm. to know that it affects the pathway the oxygenation mm-hmm. okay so essentially you have to know that before you giving them methylcholine blue mm-hmm. blue then you're you need to like give them get all the blood from them because that's mm-hmm. like how the actual chemistry works but you're not like sitting there like, oh my God, let's think about this drug right now. <laughs> okay, oh okay. No, for real though, for real though, um, it's like hard, you know, like not everything mm-hmm. like one-to-one, but all of the knowledge that you gain as a pre-med, like a lot of it, like you might like not remember everything, but it's the concept that will stay with you for a really long time. And those concepts are going to be really, really important. Like I use physics like normally and I hate physics. Yeah. And, I, and you know, I'm there at bedside doing an ultrasound, calculating yeah. the area under the curve because that's yeah. this this means yeah. like yeah. real like really good to like know those things, you know? Yeah. And I feel like a common question that I actually received in DMs when I post when I started promoting our live is from pre med students and I think the biggest fear is, oh, doc, I don't have a 4.0 GPA. Oh, I got a C in this class. Oh, my GPA is not that high. My MCAT score is not that high. Should I even bother applying to medical school? For sure, you've been with residents at this point and interns as well. And you said the important parts of the medical school application. How much do you think these numbers, like GPA and MCAT, really bring to the table when it comes to admissions to medical school? So the medical school process is like changed tremendously, like evolved over the course of years. So like now, there's more quote unquote holistic approach. There's mm-hmm. treatment for more diversity. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So with these things, like I recently went through the medical school application process with my brother mm-hmm. and his GPA was fine, whatever it was. And then his MCAT score was like not the greatest, mm-hmm. but based on what I knew about applying, which is basically you have to apply early. Like if mm-hmm. you apply in the first day, this is, you're going to be the first applicant that they see this cycle. And yeah. they're like, how Chris France, he's like a, He's a hot shot. He did a post <laughs> Oh my God, he's connected with all these other people. He's professional. He gets along with all these. Like, there's a lot of like mm-hmm. that they can look from your application. Yeah. So, if you apply later, that same Chris Franz that they were like, oh man, Chris Franz was some hot stuff. They're like, oh, Chris Franz, we've seen um, the other Chris Franzes. Yeah. And they're better. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So, yeah. Um, it's, most so, of them are rolling admissions, right? So by the time if you apply later on, they've seen so many people already. They've already reviewed so many applications exactly. and have considered so many people already. Yeah, exactly. So that's I think that's the like main thing is like um, knowing but, like to apply early and having all your stuff ready, getting your letters of recommendation ready. Like, don't ask letters of rec writers who 
you don't know that well because they're yeah. not going to write very good letters. Mm-hmm. And those are also things that are going to help you stand out. Like people yeah. are just trying to like sort through all this to mm-hmm. like try to figure out like, oh, who do I want to invite for an interview? Yeah. And then some of these interviews, I think, are they all virtual again this year? I'm not sure. I think for this year, yes. But probably so, by next year, well, it depends on what happens. But yeah, it's always nice virtual. to visit the medical school. Yeah. Uh, but when they weren't virtual, <laughs> like uh, when I was like a student, I guess, like way back in the day, they used to have like these weird scenarios. They had like one time in one interview, I remember someone was like, you just ran over your neighbor's dog. How would you apologize to them? And I'm like, oh, that sounds uh, mortifying. <laughs> Why would I run over my neighbor's dog? <laughs> and then I was like, I'm sorry. <laughs> I didn't get in, obviously, because yeah. my response, my apology wasn't good enough, apparently. They were like, yeah. sorry. But yeah. you know what? That doesn't matter because she got into that. You know, my friends always, we always say, if, if there's one school, it could be in the middle of Iowa, in the farm, and they accept us, we're going to go to that medical school. And you're ultimately happy. You know, you, you just, like, keep thinking of, like, kind of, like, final destiny. Well, you, you've gone to the medical school years ago, right? And you're already here practicing. Of all the stress that you have gone through, and obviously so many sacrifices, is there any regrets? Having gone through all of that? Not big ones that I can think of. I pretty much enjoyed my life. Like, I mean, so here's the thing. You got to, like, learn to be happy with what you have, right? Like, I went to to college in a very big city. I had access to everything. And for me, going to medical school was, like, a shocker. Like, oh, this is the middle of nowhere. Like, where is this place? Augusta, Georgia. It was just, like, a very big shock. Like, I used to eat, like, Chipotle every day for dinner. And, like, I got there and I was like, there's no Chipotle here. Where am I really? Like, you know, there's just, you just got to, like, be, like, appreciative of, like, the things that you have. And then, like, slowly it, like, grew on me. And, like, and I was like, I can spend a weekend here or, like, you know. And I made friends. And, like, the main thing is, like, finding, like, a supportive community. What else? I, I went to a public school. For both undergrad and medical school so mm-hmm. that was like a the main thing is like i think a lot compared to a lot yeah. of mm-hmm. yeah that's, that's a big thing too is it doesn't do you think it matters where you go to medical you said no right it really does not matter where you get to medical where you go to medical school it's like i'm dying i'm dying and then i only want someone from harvard <laughs> and then they're like oh wait which medical school did you go to <laughs> <laughs> which which medical school? Like, all right, the next one. <laughs> yeah, I agree. I agree with that fully. But after medical school, and for those who don't know the process to get where Doctor Siri has gone through, four years of undergrad, four years of medical school, and then the residency years, depending on what type of residency you guys for emergency medicine. How many years is residency? Most residencies, like some are four, some yeah. are five, some are seven. And yeah. I wasn't interested in going to a seven year one. I was like, okay, three or four, and I'm done. But I, yeah. I actually I wanted to specialize, so I, I did a fellowship after. So. And that's for ultrasound, right? And yeah, for ultrasound. Two years it's, or? it's one year. 
one year. But I know there are um, like subspecialties for emergency med, right? Like I read something about like hyperbaric and undersea. I think those care. are two years. It's either one yeah. or two years. Critical care is two years, but it's all like very specialized at that point. Very yeah. specialized, yeah. There was one shadowing that I watched where it's like an aerospace medicine mm-hmm. and his specialty was in emergency med. So it just goes to show like, There's a lot of things you could do like after emergency medicine, right? Emergency medicine is one of those fields that's like really, really diverse. You're not um, tied to a specific like patient population. I mean, you just treat people as they come. Like some fields you're like tied to a specific patient population. If you become like a peds, I don't know, like hematologist, Mm -hmm. like you, your patients are just hemon patients that you will follow in like a hospital or a private yeah. clinic and like yeah. that's who you see, you know? Yeah. But emergency medicine is not like that. So diverse. But that being said, do you think there's a bread and butter in emergency medicine? Despite yeah, how they of course. It is? Like is, yeah. you'll come into work tonight and you'll be like, for sure, there's this top three that I will see today. Yeah, you see the same things. You see pain, right? Like chest pain, abdominal pain back pain these are all like very very common complaints you see like dizziness mm-hmm. weakness mm-hmm. syncope mm-hmm. um and then trauma right like these are all like bread and butter things to yeah. kind of see in the ed yeah and where did that thought of oh i want to do emergency medicine come from is it from like rotations? i said it was like it was from the beginning like you remember how i was talking about like having that open yeah. kind of attitude towards choosing medicine like it's like all a journey right you like study one thing like you're knowledgeable about a certain field but in em you can always like branch out into doing like other things like you can you can do law you can do this you can do that and em like it's so practical like you can do wilderness ems like it's just like oh and if someone is like truly like like needs help then you can like give it, give it to them, you know, like someone yeah. is on a plane, like, is there a doctor on board? Hey, yeah. listen, you're trained in that. That's you. Yeah. yeah. As the emergency room doc, like you call the shots, right? Someone's coming in, panting, like short of breath or trauma or anything emergent. You're the ones going to make the life and death decision for this patient. That's stressful. How does that feel? for you as the physician in charge a lot of the times the patient has like already made the decision you know i feel like there's very little like i make a lot of decisions right like but our decisions are usually like okay like we just have to keep the patient alive unless they've specifically Mm -hmm. said like hey i don't really want to live or i have like um you know some objection to like certain like treatments and whatnot so that's already like done you know yeah but like clinically like clinically it, it, clinically yeah. um I know what's it's the hard it's, it's like really hard yeah. right it's yeah. over time that you like build so when you're a resident you're like mm, i'm not sure should i do this should i not yeah. do this and like yeah. you know you always have to think about like what's best best for the patient and then you make a recommendation based on what like um, medical knowledge you have and then ultimately it's like a shared decision making oh, does this patient, uh, for example, like need a reduction? Okay, the answer is pretty simple. Yes, they need a reduction. So you do the reduction, right? But then like a decision, for example, like 
oh, does this patient need inpatient rehab and like treatment um, all depends on like, oh, okay, like, are you like, do you feel like you need to stay? Like, are you functional at home? Like, there's a lot of like other factors involved. But overall, like a lot of medicine is like working with the patient to like, mm-hmm. not just by yourself. Yeah. So are there times when you like doubt that decision? And later on, you're like, oh, I could have done this instead. Was there ever a time where you regretted a decision that you made for a patient in the emergency room? Um, yes, definitely. But I don't think, like, most of them were, like, not big decisions. Yeah. Like, yeah. oh, like, maybe I should have done that. But it wasn't like, oh, should have done this and the patient. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Well, because it, yeah. Yeah. Can you think at the top of your mind, maybe the top one situation in the emergency room where you felt the most scared whether it's during medical school or residency or even now um, probably like COVID-19 right like I mean and what else tops that you're like not sure what's going on going into no one knew what's going on it's basically like going into an unknown right and like you don't know what's going on so you definitely are unable to like really navigate it you know it's like sailing through like a endless sea but you don't know if it's yeah. raining like every minute it's like something different so yeah i think that's when i feel like i personally have been scared yeah because we both worked throughout the spike here in new york city right um, yeah last april was terrible yeah, in the beginning, we had no guidelines, right, on what PPE to wear. Oh, don't wear a mask. Oh, wear a mask now. And everyone was just getting sick during that time. I mean, especially um, one of the hospitals in Queens, right? Like, my friends were telling me the ambulance is going off every second of the day. And it was just so scary. And even for our hospital, we had news that, oh, patients were, like, passing away in the emergency room because we. Well, one, we were filled up upstairs in the inpatient mm-hmm. beds, and people are waiting in the emergency room, hoping for a placement, and everyone's just not being able to breathe, right? Um, exactly. That, those were really scary times. Um, if there's one thing that you learned as a physician during that spike period, the first spike period here in New York, what would that be? Uh, expect the unexpected. So nothing that you ever do is going to be 100% right, right? Like, because you don't know until later. It's Mm -hmm. all in retrospect. Mm -hmm. But I think, like, kind of doing whatever treatments you can that don't do any harm will always, like, more or less benefit the patient, right? Yeah. Like, oh, okay. Like, example, like, soothing their throat by making them drink tea isn't, like, a harmful thing necessarily. It's not going to help them. Like, it's not going to cure their COVID. But, like. Even like supportive therapies and stuff, like proning a patient, like all this sort of stuff. It's it's insane. We learned a lot. Like last yeah. year was insane in terms of like critical care and like critical care time and everything. Yeah, and when when the spike started here in New York, I was like a new grad nurse during that time. So I literally just got out of orientation, and then our unit was like changed to COVID ICU, and I was like, what the heck is? <laughs> What the heck is going on? And all of my senior nurses were like, 
oh, we don't know what to do. Um, this is the first time we've gone through something like this. I'm like, so what am I supposed to do? And I could just feel for the residents during that time, right? And we also had medical students here in New York who we may graduate early, right, to help in the front lines. Like, it was just crazy for everybody. And, and I feel like that's why we are so adamant when it comes to, like, fighting misinformation because we don't want that to happen again, right? Um, of course not. Yeah, it's, it's, it was, like, a rough time. We didn't even know what was going on. And yeah. we didn't even realize, like, oh, this is the right thing to do. This is the wrong yeah. thing to do until, like, much later, you know? Yeah. Even Dr. Stella said when I talked to her, she was like, I don't know if people have anything left still to give from what still happened from last year. Uh, we saw so many shortage, right? Physician and their suicide because of other things that's taking on emotionally telling for everybody. But still, there were crazy times um, pre-pandemic. And this is the most common question that I've gotten is, what is the craziest or weirdest things that you've ever pulled out from a person's body? I feel like this is the go-to question to every emergency medicine physician. I feel like that's your specialty. <laughs> what is the craziest thing I've ever pulled out of someone's body? I mean, we pull out cockroaches out of people's ears once in a while. That's like a regular thing. You know, like when they're sleeping, they're like, oh, I can't hear. And then you're like, there's a cockroach. Um, what else? I had a patient once, not a bottle, you know, like those hand sanitizer containers. They're in that, like, I don't know why they would put it off their butt, but they did. I so, bet they'll say they slipped on it. Yeah, the usual. The usual. The story's always the same, but, like, yeah. I, I think that was, like, a good one. Nothing recently, honestly. I think people have uh, have overcome that phase, maybe, in their life. So, like, <laughs> rectal foreign bodies. Maybe that was a thing of the past, you know, back before COVID was entertaining on a regular basis, uh, like a political basis, like... Yeah. I bet COVID was like, let's get rid of that those times. Um, exactly. How do you react to those as an emergency med, as the ones who greet the patient? Are there times where you just want to, like, compose yourself in situations? I mean, that, or, like, I'm not, like, phased anymore. I'm like, oh, okay, all right. Like, that's there. Let's just yeah. get rid of it. <laughs> Honestly, it's not my place to judge. Yeah. Whatever. Like, you know, life, uh, they're here for your yeah. help and you help them. And yeah. then, you and know, you kind of like go on from there, I feel. And like we always say, right? Like, it takes a lot of courage to actually ask for help, too. Uh, it does. And that's why I feel like it's not, it's important not to like shame people for like coming to the ER for help. I think that's, that's why they're there because they're seeking yeah. help, you know? Yeah, because you like you don't know what they have tried already at home, right? And it was unsuccessful. So now they feel like desperate to be like, oh, now I actually need professional help. But how do you think COVID changed you as a person? Like, I guess, yes, as a physician, but mm-hmm. having gone through that and now like a year after, even though we're still, you know, going through the after effects of it. I feel like it's make, made me more emotional. I'm, like, not that, like, emotional in general. Like, Mm -hmm. I feel like, well, yeah, sure, to a certain extent. But, like, when it comes to work, like, you know, I have empathy. I have compassion. But, like, COVID, like, really, like, it it fucked with you, you know? Like, it was, Mm -hmm. like, 
this patient was fine yesterday. Why are they gone today? Like, or, okay, this patient is like gonna die. And I feel so terrible. It's also like, cause you were there, like when no one else was, you know, like patients like dying without family members or all of their family members, like are in the hospital. So you're like, oh wait, um, their father. Oh, he's like upstairs. Like we, like he's in another room. Like they all have COVID-19, you know? It really sucks. Like, we had a patient on our floor who has been there for, like, four months, like, prior to COVID. Had a heart surgery, had a knee surgery, had MRSA, had everything was still alive, but it was COVID that took them away. So it was really rough times, too. And just being there, right? Like, just being in the room, seeing everyone, like, pass away and... And then when you get when you get out of the hospital, right, you hear news like, oh, it's it's a hoax, it's a hoax. Oh my it's god, that was like bad. terrible. That was it's like the terrible bad. time. Like, yeah, uh, it's not a survival hoax. rate. It was a hoax. Like, why would I like cancel my wedding, cancel my vacation, cancel my honeymoon? Like, I literally had like everything that I was looking forward to like canceled, and I was like super sad. I was like, all right, here I am at work again. How about? Now, we've been hearing news about the Delta variant rampaging around the country. How is New York looking right now? Especially, in um, the I mean, cases are up in New York City too, but I think like vaccination has offered a small level of protection in terms of case rate here. Or, you know, if people are sick, they're, they're pretty much asymptomatic. So that's like good news for here, at least. Yeah. For sure, because, you know, we've been seeing the other doctors post online, right, of those in the ICU who were unvaccinated, which is so sad because, you know, it really does take a toll on us too. Because I I get it, right? Like, we we don't, we can't save everybody. No, we can't. Yeah, but we try our best, right, too. (laughs) I, I feel like to give as much as we can. Well, beyond that, let's talk about ultrasound. You know, I, I look at ultrasounds and I'm like, what the heck is going on? What, what, what am I supposed to be looking at? Like, I, I look at the echoes, I look at the other scans, I'm like, what, what, what am I supposed to be looking at? Does that just come with time? Obviously, you know. Uh, so in medical school, you go it. to anatomy class. Yeah. Like, ultrasound is just like a uh, visualization of that anatomy through the surface. Yeah. So you have to be, like, good at, like, knowing where things are. And so, like, learning a lot from that anatomy class, like, which you will. Like, some doctors, like, rarely use, like, anatomy after that. But ultrasound, like, you're like, oh, okay, that's, like, your right renal artery, like, running right below your gallbladder. It looks really big. (laughs) You know, like, things that are, like, not as intuitive, like, it's all through anatomy that you learn it. But still, you don't use, don't use um, OCHEM, right? (laughs) I, I, I just I finished really the final today, so I'm still kind of I'm, I'm trying to think of a scenario where I use organic chemistry. I mean, we, a- we use, like, in pharmacology, like, you have to know, like, okay, if this medication a patient can't take, what's the mechanism of action? Um, yeah. Otherwise, and um, why is it effective or whatever? Um, yeah. You have to know, like, uh, some degree of, like, biochemistry, I would say. Mm-hmm. Like, organic chemistry. Yeah. Like the cells interact in this way. Like, yeah. Which is why this medication works. Yeah, I agree. And 
How do you decompress from work? I eat a lot of good food in New York City. Exactly. I mean, I always comment on your like food stories. Right? <laughs> oh my god, I'm like addicted, and that's how I that's how I do it. Okay, everyone has their own like decompression. Like, yeah. you, know, you just gotta figure out what does it for you. You know. Yeah. And I also yeah. go on like vacation when I can. Traveling is the way to go. Traveling, but traveling is also like exhausting, right? It is though. Yeah, I went to Hawaii back in March, and it was a. Sp- 13, 14, 15 hour flight. And the whole the whole flight, I'm like, wow, this could have been a whole shift in the hospital. Oh my so, God. That is so true. This yeah. But, but it's like, it's worth it. It's, it's beautiful. Do you have like future plans with, in medicine still? I mean, EM dog, ultrasound fellowship. Is- I mean, I am like an attending. And I guess like, you know, we'll see. Uh, where life takes me going hopefully i'm going to asap which is our like conference for emergency medicine physicians i don't know what future plans means but i i teach at columbia and that's rewarding i work with residents there sometimes and that's also rewarding like i take it one day yeah i agree um how does it feel like now that you're an attending and you know teaching residents like that was you before, right? Like, I, I know exactly what it's like to be in their shoes because we were once in their shoes, right? Yeah. So it's like, it's exactly like what you imagine it to be. You know, they always say, they, they also say this like in TikTok, like every specialty has like its own aura and environment. Like they say, oh, surgery is like mean and neurosurgery is like so strict. How was emergency medicine training for you? Like, how are the attending? Like, well, you're in attending now. <laughs> it's always the coolest people. And oh, okay. Flexible. Uh-huh. And I feel. Um, because we learn to deal with everything, right? Yeah, so yeah. we learn how to manage, like, different personalities mm-hmm. and whatnot. And most people are, like, not type A. So it's really, really, like, nice in that way. Uh, that that would be nice because there are some specialties where I feel like all the type A people <laughs> go into, yeah, right? People aren't. There are still some, but that's like, yeah. you know, that's just who you are. You can't control who you are. Yeah, I agree. And do you like how medicine has advanced so far in the sense that when you were a student, is this what you expected when you were in school? Um, like the life you're living now as an attending? I didn't know what to expect because I didn't have mm-hmm. anyone in medicine. Yeah. Most of it was from like seeing people like in medical school. And I think like this is like the lifestyle more that I wanted, which mm-hmm. is like shift work. Like I go into work and once I finish work, I'm kind of. Yeah. And you just started moonlighting too, I saw. Oh, yeah. I moonlight once in a while. I, oh, you did? I did moonlighting as a resident too. Oh, you did? Yeah, we did event medicine, so we got to go to all the like Madison Square Garden like kind of concerts and games. Oh, that's nice! Yeah, it was super fun. Um, but yeah, I like I just picked up this one shift, and it was like fine. I I honestly I honestly think like it was more for like the experience. Yeah, I agree. Thank you so much. Like it's been so inspiring talking to everybody. I'm so grateful for the time that. 
they spend with me, especially you. Thank you for spending time with me in this hot. I think um, we're inside. It shouldn't be this hot. I don't, I don't know why my thing keeps dying. I don't know, I don't know yet. And I, I really don't want your phone to explode. <laughs> oh, system. I think, yeah, I was like. I know. It, it overheated like three times. I know. And I was like, what the hell? Like, right in the middle. <laughs> I know this is the first time it happened to you during a live stream, too. I, I yeah. think. I think it's our combination. I think, oh, yeah, I think, maybe. I think maybe. It's, again, just too hot handle. to handle. Yeah, we're Damn. just... No, just that's too... Yeah. Is there a filter here with fire? Oh, that would be so funny. Hold on, let's check. Perfect. Oh, there's this one. There's a Ray filter. <laughs> you know what? Let's cool down. And thank you so much for... Thanks so much for having your, me. Thank you okay. so much. Have a good rest of the night. Thank you, Have everybody. a good day. Thanks Thank for having me. Bye. 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 Bye.